Purple Sector Nation. Let's ride. This is Purple Sector, Helmet on the Mic. Rye Guy is unavailable this week, so we're going to be doing some solo drives, you guys and me. So buckle up for that. First things first, here's me talking alone again about how you can help support the show. Thanks for tuning in to Purple Sector. Remember to reach out to the show by pitting in the mail box, box, box. Instructions to, to box. You can leave a voicemail or shoot a text to 904-8-PURPLE. That's 904-878-7753. You can also slide into our DMs at Purple Sector Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to follow both those accounts as well. Follow me on Instagram. You can also get additional content on our YouTube by subscribing to Purple Sector F1 Podcast. Finally... Be sure to subscribe to Purple Sector wherever you get your podcasts. Review the show and throw us five stars at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. See you on the track. Lovely. Yeah, we appreciate you guys reaching out in the mailbox, all the reviews you guys send our way. All much appreciated. Love interacting with all the uh, Purple Sector pit crew out there. So I'm going to get into the Singapore Grand Prix. This will be our Singapore Grand Recap. Ragai will obviously be able to <laughs> hear this and chime in when he gets back, hopefully next week, and he can fill in any gaps or give any additional reactions to what went down at the Marina Bay Circuit in Singapore. So first things first, we have some good shit to get into. We started in our Grand Preview for this race talking about a couple helmets, but there were more. Helmut on helmets. So in the Grand Preview, we already touched on Lando Norris's Halo helmet, which was awesome. Sadly, it felt like we didn't really see much of McLaren during this entire race. They just kind of were running their own race out there. Granted, they had an excellent weekend for them as a team and both as individual drivers, where Danny Rick finally was right behind Lando, both in the points, high in the points, and they jumped Alpine in the constructor standings because Alpine had a horrific <laughs> double DNF weekend. So sadly, even with all that performance, we didn't get much of a glance during the race weekend at Lando Norris's Halo helmet. We also touched on Joe Guan Yu Joe's bubble tea tribute helmet, which already had us chuckling because it was like a tribute to bubble tea that he had in Australia. And 
it, it's just every part of it I love when it comes to helmet on helmets. Like he's doing a bubble tea helmet inspired by bubble tea in Australia. And I didn't notice this until the race when Joe Guan Yu Joe had to retire. But he steps out of his car. He had the matching bubble tea boots. The race boots also had the same bubble tea, you know, livery and pattern as his helmet, which I've already told you, I love the fact that Max is rocking the gold boots to match the gold line on the top of his helmet this year. But the fact that Joe Guan Yu Joe went with bubble tea boots, that could be an early favorite, certainly a nominee for helmet of the year, best helmet of the year in the Purple Sector Awards. The ones we didn't touch on, Charles Leclerc had a gold glitter helmet. Ryan did not like it when I first was sharing the pictures with him. I actually thought it looked pretty cool. I liked it. It was a tasteful gold. I'm not a big fan of the color gold, but if it's done tastefully, kind of that lighter gold, like what Max's boots are, what Leclerc's helmet was this weekend, and it really popped under the lights, so I was a fan of Charles Leclerc's gold glitter helmet. Alex Albon... He loves dyeing his hair at orphanages that he goes and visits. Now he had the kids in the orphanage design his helmet for the race here at the Singapore Grand Prix. It was a fun little helmet with, it had elephants, cartoon elephants on the left and right side. It had all a bunch of cartoon kids holding hands. Uh, It had like a smiley face (laughs) where his mouth would have been on the front of the helmet. So all in all, a nice touch on the children's design helmet. Not as good as Lando Norris's helmet a couple years ago where he had the girl draw it and she couldn't, she didn't spell his name right and had to like jam an O in there or something. Uh, that Not as good as that because it's not nearly as funny. It was way too professional looking because there's no way the kids drew the design for that helmet. They must have just said what they were thinking about having done and then he had an actual graphic designer do it. So not nearly as good as Lando Norris's children design helmet, but still a tip of the helmet to Alex Albon with that orphanage-inspired helmet. The other one that I noticed, Sebastian Vettel, he kind of changes it all the time now. He, he takes his base design of, it's basically a majority white helmet, and then it has the German flag stripes going from the front over the top to the back. He plays with the stripes. Sometimes he puts on climate change or other messages on there. But for this race, I actually thought this was one of the cooler variants he's done of his helmet. He changed the German flag to a rainbow flag and it was like a matte black. So in darkness, it looked looked ridiculous. It looked like it was almost an invisible helmet with just a floating rainbow. So helmets off to Sebastian Vettel for his matte black rainbow helmet. Yeah, there were some good helmets this weekend, as you can hear. The Halo helmet from Norris, the Orphanage helmet from Albon, the gold glitter helmet from Leclerc, the rainbow and matte black helmet from Vettel. But in my opinion, this weekend, the Joe Guan Yu Joe bubble tea helmet and bubble tea boots took the cake. Helmut on helmets. Let's head to the track now. Let's talk about practice. I unfortunately didn't have time to watch in depth any of the practice sessions before this race, but I did notice in FP2, Pierre Gasly 
is sitting in the car and they're trying to wheel it back into his garage. And all of a sudden, a massive fire bursts out right above his head, like where that air intake is above the driver's heads. Huge flames licking off the top of it. The guy who was his actual, one of his mechanics who was standing in front of him directing him how to steer the car, that guy just stood there frozen. It took another team's mechanic, I think it was Aston Martin or something, another team's mechanic actually grabbed the fire extinguisher and put it out while Gasly was leaping out of the cockpit. So I'm sure he, he gave a little spanking to that guy when they got back into the garage and he realized he hadn't melted his helmet. Because that was very weird, seeing the guy do absolutely nothing. I mean, all these guys are trained to react in situations like that, I would imagine, and grab fire extinguishers or do something if the car is in any trouble. So, not a good look for that mechanic, but good good, uh, good work by a rival team stepping in and helping out. Look at that camaraderie on the pit lane here in Formula One. The uh, only other thing of note really from what I had seen. Obviously I didn't see much of anything, but FP three before qualifying was soaking wet and we had a massive rainstorm also before the race. So all of our talk of rain in the forecast in our Grand preview came to fruition. We got a wet FP three, we got a wet qualifying and we got a, a greasy damp race. <laughs> so this track is interesting because it doesn't seem to drain at all. I don't know if it's whatever they use for the pavement or, you know, they have to have decent drainage. I mean, the tracks, I'm pretty sure, get designed to slope off to try to get debris and, and water to primarily run off the tracks and not have huge sections of standing water. But this track, for some reason, never seems to dry out. In qualifying, it wasn't, wasn't until the very end of Q3 that people were able to put up fast times on slick tires in the race. It took forever before they felt comfortable going on to slick tires. And that was after a one hour delay when the heavens opened up just before the race was set to start. So I don't know what they were using, but whatever it is, is the greasiest, most water absorbent material to do this track. Let's head to qualifying. Now, as I mentioned, the stage was set for some excitement with a wet FP3 and a damp, greasy track. Everybody went out on inters to start. Um, the Q1 in Duns, you had Valtteri Bottas really struggling. We've highlighted the struggles at Alfa Romeo recently. The guys out in Q1, the Q1 in Duns, Valtteri Bottas, Danny Rick, bad, bad luck again. Danny Rick fails to get out of Q1 again, but salvaged a ton of points from that position on the Sunday race. Esteban Ocon also bounced. Alex Albon and Nick Latifi, the last two, both Williams, couldn't do anything. Ocon had an awful qualifying. Julian Palmer, Ryan Midanokas, he listens to the F1 TV. I listen to the Sky and watch the Sky. He watches F1 TV. He mentioned that Julian Palmer said Ocon had a stinker. So we might end up pulling that. But there's my Julian Palmer relay of Ocon had a stinker. Uh, some big names, though. I mean, Valtteri Bottas, Danny Rick, and Esteban Ocon out in the two Williams means a lot of other teams, Aston Martin, both of them got out of Q1, both Haas got out of Q1. So we ended up, we're going to get a little mixed up grid when something like that happens. Q2, you had a pump fake from Charles Leclerc. Everybody was wondering, when are they going to go to Slicks? 
Leclerc pump fake said he may have wanted slicks, then didn't get slicks and went on to Inters again. Um, Lance Stroll and Vettel, though, in Q2, went on to slicks and just did nothing. So it was clearly too early for slicks. And the Q2 cuties, George Russell, shockingly, out in Q2, didn't make it to Q3. Lance Stroll, as I mentioned, the Aston struggled there. Mick Schumacher did not make it out of Q2. Seb Vettel and Joe Guan Yu Joe. So both Astons jumped too early to slicks and did not make it into Q3. So Q3, everybody started on softs, except for Sonoda and Magnussen. And it actually was looking for a moment like they may have nailed it by sticking to the intermediates. It was the track evolved later in Q3, but Yuki Sonoda initially had the fastest time when the other guys were kind of rubbering in and heating up their their slicks. But it was not to be for Yuki Sonoda. He ended up actually finishing 10th in Q3. Um, you had Max Verstappen. This was interesting. The first drama, real drama of the weekend was Max Verstappen, his last two flying laps in Q3 were scorching. And then he aborted the first flying lap right before the finish. He was going purple and like half a second up on the quickest time, aborts his first flying lap, has one last chance after the checkered flag to do another flying lap, and had to abort it again after the team got on the radio and told him to abort it and come into the pits. I guess everyone's saying the the thought is they were very aggressive in going low fuel, and we're starting to realize that he wouldn't have enough fuel for the sample after qualifying if he actually finished the flying lap. And at this point, he's just, you know, he could sleepwalk to the title. But if he had been found to not have enough fuel for the sample, he would have had all his times deleted and gone to the back of the grid. So they just decided not worth it. We'll have him start eighth where he was because he didn't get any of those two flying laps at the end. And, And your Q3 sweeties, here was the grid after qualifying the top 10. Charles Leclerc gets pole position. Checo Perez, a nice run in second. Lewis Hamilton, third. Carlos Sainz, fourth. Fernando Alonso, fifth. Lando Norris, sixth. Gasly, seventh. Max Verstappen, eighth. Kevin Magnussen made it into Q3. He was ninth. And Yuki Tsunoda, tenth. Russell ended up taking a penalty. As I mentioned, he didn't even get out of Q2. So I'm pretty sure he just took new components because he was already starting out of the top 10 to just move back to P20 and set him up, self up for future races. But this now is the second race of the season that George Russell has not finished in the top five. The only other time was when he DNF'd at Silverstone in the British Grand Prix. So pre-race now, as I mentioned, deluge right before the race, cats and dogs coming down about 50 minutes before the scheduled start time, delayed the start of the race for just over an hour. We had to wait forever. Everyone's complaining. Why don't they just go? They have too many sponsors to satisfy. We have to get our anthems. (laughs) And Lord knows that Raga and I love our anthems. This anthem was sung by, it said underneath, so they had like a big band in the back playing string instruments. And the women in the front standing and singing the anthem, it said... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the the graphic on the broadcast sung by Singapore Airlines cabin crew. So my question is, are they trained singers 
who Singapore Airlines hires just for the advertisement in the anthem, or they actually Singapore Airlines crew first, and then they realize which ones can sing, have tryouts, and decide which ones get to sing the anthem. Because Singapore Airlines, the Singapore Grand Prix has really become the most intense Singapore Airlines advertisement of all time. The Singapore Airlines logo is all over the track, all over every board. You have cabin crew from Singapore Airlines singing the anthem before the race. And the trophy is always just another version of the Singapore Airlines logo. I, I feel like the trophy needs a refresh because I think it maybe was nominated, if not won, a Purple Sector Award for Best Trophy a handful of years ago. But it's another one of those trophies along with the wooden rocker from the Austrian Grand Prix that I think definitely need a refresh. All right, gang, let's grid up. Sixty-one laps around the Marina Bay Street Circuit. Max Verstappen had a garbage start. He's really been bad this year, anti-stalling all the time on the start. This one was the same. He's starting already in eighth, and he's trying to grab gears and just rolling out of his his starting position and gets passed by a bunch of people. This was the worst race by Max Verstappen by far this season. He can't get one of two flying laps on the board to potentially get pole or get further up in the starting order. He has a horrific start and struggles to make it through the field. Later on, near the end of the race, when the shot clock had started, he makes a super aggressive move, locks up and has to run off into the runoff area off the track and spin back around and rejoin and give up all the places he had been gaining. So just the worst race this season by far for Max Verstappen, if you ask me, aside from obviously mechanical DNFs and things like that. You know, when it was his just driving performance, this was not very good for him. On the other hand, his teammate, Checa Perez, new lease on life for him. He had been so hot to start the year all the way up through the Monaco Grand Prix that he won, and then he just vanished performance-wise, where he was qualifying level with or better than Max Verstappen and winning the Monaco Grand Prix earlier in the year and then disappearing. This race, he was fantastic. Qualified second, as we mentioned, just smoked Leclerc on acceleration into turn one, took the lead, and led the entire race from there on out and took the victory. So hats off to uh, Checo Perez. Heck of a race by him. Another Magnuson incident, he finds contact early on. And again, the front wing end plate is kind of flapping a little bit loose. He has people complaining on the radio about it again. And the FIA or the stewards give him the black and orange flag and his race is done. He's had this happen three times now with end plates getting loose from contact early. And he has to pit way early, go way to the back because of it and just can never make up ground from back there in a Haas. So another disaster for Kevin Magnuson with that end plate and that black and orange flag. He is not going to be excited that Halloween is approaching because he's going to have PTSD from all those black and orange flags when he sees (laughs) all the pumpkins and, you know, the black cat Halloween decorations and people in costumes. Maybe this year I'll dress as an F1 steward because I saw some of those guys in uh, 
Ted's race notebook and stuff like that. I just need to get that FIA steward polo. And maybe that'll be Ryan's and my outfits this year. The most hated men in Formula One many times. Depends on who you're supporting, I guess. Some people love steward decisions. Some people hate them. So yeah, by lap seven, he had been black and orange flagged. Magnuson was effectively done. Sad. Hate to see it. Joe Guan Yu Joe was out one lap later on lap eight and brought out a safety car. So the perfect safety car record is beyond intact at this race. We saw tons of safety cars and virtual safety cars and a ton of attrition in this race. So the best part about Joe Guan Yu Joe going out, as I mentioned, I got to see those bubble tea boots, those beautiful bubble tea boots on Joe Guan Yu Joe. Lap nine, Nick Latifi is out of the race. Just immediate. Seven, eight, nine. You know, you have Magnuson, his race ruined, he's not out, but then you have Joe go out one lap later, then you have Latifi go out. So, safety car, and Max finally seemed to wake up after the safety car restart, after those first couple retirements, and he started to knife through the field a little bit, but as I mentioned, he gave it up later with a, a lockup, trying to push the issue too much at the end of the race. Lap 21, S, uh, sorry, not S, Martin Alpine, Starts having their disaster realized. Alonzo has engine failure on lap 21, brings out a virtual safety car. George Russell, under this VSC, decides on lap 22 to go in and be a slicky boy. He's done this before. He did this earlier this year in the wet, wet qualifying, I believe it was. And it hasn't worked out well. But, you know, Mercedes has nothing to lose. They're just going for it now, which I like to see. I don't like when these teams that are at a power disadvantage or a driver disadvantage, don't just throw caution to the wind and go for it. So good on Russell being a slicky boy again. I like that. So lap 26, Alex Albon kissed the wall, lodged his wing in the wall and lost his wing, was able to continue on and um, (laughs) brought out another virtual safety car. Then Esteban Ocon was out of the race a couple laps later with another virtual safety car. And that's Alpine, double DNF. Awful weekend for them. As I mentioned, they dropped now behind McLaren in that constructor's battle for the best of the rest. Lewis Hamilton actually ended up kissing the barrier later in the race and then rejoined just ahead of Max Verstappen. So we actually had another taste. We've seen this earlier this year of flashbacks to last season where you have all of a sudden Hamilton and Max, you know, in front of one another and battling during a race, which is fun to see. Fun to get the the flashbacks of Hamilton and Max scrapping again. But they, they keep it clean now because I know I think Max knows he has, you know, too much to lose or just doesn't even need to bother with it. He's already got the title virtually wrapped up. Another guy who had a bad weekend, Yuki Sonoda, wrecked out on lap thirty six, brought out another safety car. He actually they showed him after the wreck when he had gotten out of the car and he was behind the catch fence looking out on the track crying. I feel bad for the guy. He's obviously quick, but he had just gone on to slick tires, was pushing the issue a little bit too much on his outlap, and just lost it. So that's always been the critique from Helmut Marco and from Franz Tost, French Toast, and everybody is Yuki Sonoda is undoubtedly quick, but he kind of struggles to contain it, to know when to push, to when to know when to, you know, just tiptoe on the limit. And here's another instance of him 
not only tiptoeing the line in the limit, but falling over it, falling on his face, wrecking the car, and weeping behind the catch fence. So after that safety car from Yuki Tsunoda, we ended up getting a shot clock restart. The lap times were super slow. We had so many safety cars slowing everything down that the race was not going to finish within the two-hour allotted time. So we had the shot clock countdown, 30 minutes, I believe, plus one lap. This is when the race really started to heat up. Uh, you had Max Verstappen starting to push, trying to chase maximum points, and ends up locking up, as I mentioned, loses three place, three places by locking up, that he had done all that work to climb up a few places, gives it all back, has to pit for new tires after locking him up. George Russell then muscles into Mick Schumacher and gives himself a puncture, and his race gets all jacked up. It was it was kind of sloppy on that race restart, you know, with the shot clock. Everybody started getting super physical. Um, but the best battle we saw when the shot clock first began after the restart, Charles Leclerc was right on Checo Perez's butt cheeks. DRS finally got, excuse me, DRS finally got enabled, and Leclerc was breathing down Perez's neck. Kept pressing, kept pressing. Perez would maybe make a little mistake here and there. Leclerc would get a better exit, but in the end, didn't have enough juice, even with the DRS, to get around Checo. Checo was brilliant in just stealing the lead, never giving it back up after heading into turn one of this race. And one of my bold predictions ended up getting burned right at the end. Max Verstappen burst Botas's points bubble. So even though Botas had another bad qualifying, with all the attrition, he was just lollygagging his way into the points, but Max jumped him at the very end and knocked him out of the top 10. Um, then Max got Lewis Hamilton uh, after Vettel. Or sorry. So what happened was Max was following Hamilton, who was following Vettel. Vettel also drove very well. Both Astons actually finishing the points did very well. Stroll beat Vettel and had a nice weekend. Quiet, nice weekend for Aston Martin. But Vettel is leading Hamilton and Verstappen. Hamilton tries to really dive down on Vettel late in the race when the shot clock was counting down. Ended up going out onto the parts of the part of the track that was still greasy, damp, and just couldn't get the car to slow enough. Ended up blowing past Vettel on that attempt at a pass, which gave Max Verstappen the move around Lewis Hamilton. And then Checo rumbled across the line for the win. So it, it, it wasn't the most eventful race in terms of passing. It seems even with these cars, it's, I, I'd say it's tough to judge this track based off this race. Because, as I mentioned, the, the surface was so greasy. Even when they went to slicks, it was dry enough on the racing line for slicks, but it was tough to make moves because you would end up going out onto you know, the greasy, damp part of the track. So there wasn't that much passing. We did get some, some fun battles, like with Leclerc and Perez and some other little squabbles throughout the race. But really, the excitement of this race was just around the war of attrition the accidents that we saw during the race, knocking guys out, um, some other coming togethers leading to another Kevin Magnuson <laughs> black and orange flag disaster. But congrats to Checo Perez. That was a big one. Max does not clinch. It was a lo super long shot to clinch here in Singapore, but Max does not clinch the championship. It's only a matter of time and just a question of when, but he doesn't here. Checo Perez 
with a great win for Red Bull and yeah, some, some serious movement in the constructors' standings because as I mentioned, McLaren, Leapfrog, Alpine, AlphaTauri with Gasly scoring points are now level with Haas. That, that really is, I think we were, Ryan and I talked about this maybe during the summer break, the most disappointing team. And I think I had said AlphaTauri because they, they, they were behind Haas. They're finally now just level with Haas. So hopefully Yuki Tsunoda can get his shit together for his home race in Japan and AlphaTauri can get where they need to be and belong to be ahead of Haas in the constructor standings because they are now finally level with them. So the other drama at this race was behind one of the safety cars, Checo Perez was noted, an incident was noted for safety car infringements from Checo Perez. He was backing way off from the safety car. It's 10 car lengths you have to keep within the safety car. And he was backing way off because he's trying to get heat into the tires. Everyone else is catching up from behind. So they're warming up their tires while they're able to catch up to the safety car. And he's trying to obviously keep heat and get heat into his tires, but obviously went out beyond the rules. At the end of the race, he was able, and the team told him, you got to open up a gap. You might be getting a penalty. He was able to open up a seven-something second gap. The decision in the end was he would get a warning for the first infringement, five-second penalty for the second, and maintain the race win because he'd opened up a seven-some-odd second gap and got a five-second penalty. I don't, I don't like – this should be a cut-and-dry rule. They should be out there right away. This is like speeding in the pit lane, right? It's very obvious. If they're going to be giving up penalties and penalize guys for this, because we've seen in recent seasons, guys will open up these gaps, go too slow, do more than 10 car lengths to safety cars, and not get any kind of penalty. They haven't really enforced it in recent seasons. So if they're going to start doing it now, I really wish they had done it in the race and made that decision because I I don't like when they take these decisions to after the race when they know the results and the time gaps because they can seem like, oh, we're going to be tough on this penalty. But they gave him a warning on one and five seconds on the other because I think they were scared to actually make any change to the final finishing order. You know? So I, I think cut and dry penalties like this need to be decided right away. Just my, my thoughts on these penalties. I don't like when the stewards don't have the stones to actually go and dish out penalties that are cut and dry like this during the race. And as I mentioned, the podium, great champagne work at the podium. Checo was absolutely drenched. Everybody got absolutely drenched on this Singapore podium. I think the Singapore Airlines trophy, you know, the theme trophy that looks a lot like their logo every year, needs a refresh, but obviously... We're trophy snobs here, so I expect that you guys would expect nothing less than that. I'm really hoping that Japan, after not being on the calendar since 2019, just like Singapore, brings it when it comes to the trophy. That'll do it here for my solo run, my Singapore Grand Recap here on Purple Sector. Thanks for joining me. Keep hitting up the mailbox. Keep doing what you do. Keep listening. Keep spreading the word. Subscribe to the show. And... Get pumped. We're going to Japan. The races are coming hot and heavy again now. So (laughs) buckle up and stick here with Purple Sector as we ride alongside y'all for the rest of the season. See y'all on the track. Purple Sector. Oh, it's purple. 
purple. Three purple sectors. Three purple sectors. Yeah, the car is terrible to drive. Very difficult. I want to change things. I want to stop Mercedes dominating. Honestly, what are we doing? Racing or pickpocket? Okay, let's close that gap as much as you can. It's hammer time. It's not getting the full flags. How did you call that uh, last lap incident? Brainless. Daniel, a hard fought fourth place in the end for you? Hard fought? Not really. I thought that was boring. So I think we can call Max Verstappen the baby faced assassin. I think we clench our butt cheeks and hope we stay there to the end, Martin. I'm driving like a grandma. What the f? Looks like my wife's driving that car. Yeah, tell the safety car to slow down. He's stroking that Ferrari. I know I'm losing time for Vettel, but I really don't care. They are racing. So it's it's happy hour basically. <laughs> People just simply don't have the balls to stick to what they say. Come on, Mamma, what the hell? A firm boundary position, stay as they are. We'll talk about it after the race. Yeah, we are here to race and not to just hang out, so.